Welcome to the Reunion Belleville podcast, a place where everyday people apprentice to Jesus. We're glad you pulled up a seat and we hope that today's lead-in encourages you to take your next step. Hey crew, I know that it's been uh, a couple of weeks since our last um, podcast And if you're new to our community or our podcast, it's important to mention that we are a practice-based community. What that means is that intentionally we're going to take time um, here and there to learn the unforced rhythms of grace in order that we might more freely encounter Christ when we're not together. In the last two weeks, we've been doing exactly that. We've been practicing contemplative prayer and reflection together. And so these types of gatherings are more difficult to record and to be honest, are better left experienced. But if you're interested in these gatherings, please, please feel free to join us any Sunday on Zoom, or you can connect with us through our website or social media accounts, and we can make our practices available to you. But it's also, again, important to mention that we are a community created for, well, community. The way of Jesus was meant to be experienced together, and together is our goal. Now, COVID has certainly interfered with this goal, But COVID can't cancel our culture of apprenticeship, which is solidified in our shared lives. That being said, I did provide a bit of a short lead-in last week, uh, further digging into our discussion on our identity. If you recall from our previous recent conversations regarding sin, it's, well, anything that undoes us or deforms our God-given identity. But what is our God-given identity? Easter Sunday, we, we declared with excitement that God says that we are in. Yes, in. You're in. You're in the family, the faith, the community. You're in heaven, the gambit of goodness. You are in. But what does it look like to live as though we're in? What does it look like to develop this identity of inness? And that's exactly what these next few weeks are going to be about. Us examining some basic identity characteristics that surprise reflect our creator. And our series uh, moving forward is going to be rooted in 1 Corinthians 13, which says this. I'm speaking from, or I'm using, sorry, the message as as my translation this morning. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaky of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, And if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others. Love all isn't always me first. It doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of sins of others, doesn't revel when others groveled. It takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Love puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. Inspired speech will be over someday. Praying in tongues will end. 
Understanding will reach its limit. We only know a portion of the truth in what we say about God is always incomplete. But when Christ complete, <coughs> excuse me, but when the complete arrives, our incompletes will be canceled. When I was an infant in my mother's, at my mother's breast, I gurgled and cooed like an infant. When I grew up, I left those infant ways for good. We don't see things clearly. We're squinting in the fog, peering through the mist. But it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. We'll see it all then. See it as clearly as God sees us, knowing him directly just as he knows us. But for right now, until that completeness, we have three things to do to lead us towards that consummation. Trust steadily in God. Hope unswervingly. Love extravagantly. And the best of all of the three is love. So when we talk about our identity based in this this beautiful passage, love. You are characteristically defined and identified as love. How? Because you were created in the image of God who is love. God does not love. God is love. God is therefore and cannot be anything other than love. (coughs) In being made in love, by love, you've been made for love. You've been made to experience love and to share love and to become the love of God who created you. So we could also read 1 Corinthians 13 as this. God never gives up. God cares more for others than for self. God doesn't want what it doesn't have. God doesn't strut. God doesn't have a swelled head. God doesn't force itself on others. God isn't always me first. God doesn't fly off the handle. God doesn't keep score of the sins of others. God doesn't revel when others grovel. God takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. God puts up with anything. Trust always. God always looks for the best. God never looks back, but keeps going to the end. God never dies. Does that reflect your experience with God? Does that reflect your image of God? God is love. Yes, God does love, but more importantly, God is love. But what does it mean to say love? Because I I love peanut butter. I love golf and baseball, pizza in my wife. I love sunny days, hot weather in my children. I love. Love is an interesting word, much like many others in the English language, that fail to articulate meaning. When I say I love, you assume I mean something different for each of the above examples, or at least you hope I do. Surely I cannot and should not love peanut butter the same as I love my wife. And you'd be correct, but our language is ambiguous. Our language leaves too much up to context and therefore debate. And sadly, this is where God's identity of our and our shared image in that God also becomes ambiguous, rooted in context and therefore open for debate. When Jesus met with his friends and uh, gave them a new command, it wasn't to preach a sermon hand out a tract, or to host a debate. Jesus' new command was to love, not because it was a new command, 
but new to our restored identity in Christ. It's new to us. Loving God and loving others as Christ has loved us is deeply connected to our Creator and therefore stamped by God in all creation. God is love. Love is not a feeling or an action. Love is God. God is love. But what kind of love? Thankfully, the Greeks got it right because they had four different words to describe love. The first is is storge. This is a word used to describe a love for things or character trait. For example, I, I love your shoes. I love your voice, your tie, your humor. This is a word often used when describing a love of things we look at or experience, which does create an emotional response or affection. I like those, or man, I love that. But that's not what Jesus, John, and Paul, and the host of others understood and embraced as God's love. The second is philios. This is brotherly love, or what we refer to as friendship. This is a love for someone whom we share a connection with, someone you enjoy doing things with. This takes Storgate to another level from I'm looking at to we're looking together. For example, I love my brother and as we played golf together uh, this week, we, we both Storgate golf, but we loved it together in Filios. We have a connection there, a brotherly affection towards one another that's made stronger through shared likes or hobbies. Something common brings us together. But is this love? Is this God-style love? The third is eros. Now, we get our words like erotic or romantic or sexual love based on this word. This is a love set apart uh, traditionally for marriage because it was created to be used within the safe uh, covenant of, of committed relationship. This is a love defined as looking into Storge was looking at, Philios was looking with, and Eros is looking in. There is an intimacy and discovery and privacy set apart for Eros that if abused or used nonchalantly can be damaging for both the looker and certainly the looked upon. Now, another time we can discuss lust as a deformed eros of our culture where the looked in isn't welcome or most often downplayed or just simply played. And certainly God created eros and it is good and intended to be good, but certainly not the type of love mandated as our baseline. Which brings us to the final word in if you've grown up in church or or seriously, have spent any time around a church or a Christian, you've heard this word, agape. This is a totally separate type of love that has nothing to do with an emotional response. Storge, for example, was looking at, because it's nice, Philios was looking with, which is great, it's fun to do stuff with other people, and Eros is looking in, which is, well, well, rated R, or rated M, sorry, for mature. But agape is different because it cannot see. In fact, it's a choice not to see or to see beyond the typical categories used to qualify our love because those things or people stimulate some emotion. Agape is a choice to love not because of how I feel, but because of who the other is. You are the image and creation of God and therefore... Regardless of how I feel, are worthy of my love. 
You see, where all other three types of love are often created by an outside stimulant, agape is a decision, an inside commitment to see value and worth in someone, in something, not because of how they make you feel, but because of who they are. The other love comes and goes as the stimulus wears off, right? The shoes get old, the game or the hobby shifts as we age, and even the sex, if Kings and Leon, they're, they're not right. It's, it's not always on fire. But agape is the baseline of God's choice to choose you. Agape remains, remains static, unmoved, because your identity always, your core identity remains unchanged. Who you are in your core, your creation is never damaged, aged, outdated, or mundane. You are and have always been worthy of God's love. Our sin doesn't change God's love, and the cross only highlights that God's love sees past what we feel and is willing to sacrifice himself in order to redeem who we are. So love is not a feeling, it's certainly not just an action, but love is God. God is love. Not a feeling or action, but a choice. The very baseline foundational character trait of our creator in salvation. This is God. God is agape, a blind choice to see you, to choose you, and include you. Not because it feels good, but because at your core, in your essence, you are good. You are God's. You are stamped, or as my kids say, double stampsies, no take backs, undones, or outdoes. You are signed, sealed, stamped, God's creation. This is good news, an invitation to be welcomed and seen and loved. But it's also a challenge because you were created to be and become and share and spread the love of God. God's agape is a part of your identity. But maybe like those first apprentices, we hear this new command and we think, oh, that's not me, instead of hearing this new comment revealing who we're meant to be. You are agape because you are God's. You have the capacity, the character, and the identity to agape. But what's standing in your way? What stands in your way? Is it, is it feelings? Are you looking for a stimulus? Perhaps it's circumstances? Here at Reunion, it's a safe place to acknowledge these things, reveal these things, and submit these things to the agape love of God, not in fear, but in the need of restoring healing and wholeness. You are agape. God lives in you and is for you. Can you see it? Will you share it? What is God saying to you And how will you respond? Thank you for listening to today's lead-in. We pray that you were able to learn something about Jesus today, but equally important, we pray that you sense a step you might take in response. What would it look like for you to live with Jesus today in light of our discussion? You can learn more about our community at www.reunionbelleville.com and we're always here to walk with you.